Hey everybody, this is Jason M. And this is Jason K. And this is Context Free. Uh, take two. I think this is our 30th episode. Uh, 30th episode? Yeah, I think so. Is it the 30th for real? I mean, it's the 30th total. Uh, it's like the, the 21st post pivot. Hmm. Does that make sense? We're going to have one of those things one day when we're, we're famous have, on Wikipedia where people yeah, are going to be like, what number episode are you talking about? <laughs> Well, that's you. You have to have that sort of arcane thing so the nerds can fight over it, right? So you can right. be like, "I'm um, actually that's the 21st post whatever episode," and um, right. And then the we have now a lost episode <clears throat> that we'll never have back. Yeah, I had a technological problem of using the technology. Mm. Yeah, my microphone was off. Yeah, I mean it was great on my end. <laughs> It was like your own wish fulfillment, right? <laughs> yeah, is that I just, right? I just get to talk the whole time. You just talk the whole time. I just my talk to myself off. in this space, and there's this little murmur in the background. And it that I don't think that'll work, though. Do you think that'll work as a show? I don't think people would. No, no, I don't think that's I mean, that probably wouldn't. I mean, maybe some people would think it would work better than me talking. <laughs> I <I'm> imagine, <laughs> although those people probably have stopped listening by now, so they're gone. <laughs> they're gone anyway. They're gone. They're not here to offend. Anyway, this is context-free. This is our video game, board game, role-playing game, uh, mobile phone game, uh, tablet game yeah, show. It's a, it's a show about games. It's a show about games. show yeah. about games. We like to... Sometimes we have meta topics. Sometimes we talk about what we've been playing. Yep. We like to talk about different things. I'm, I'm going to talk about a different type of game. I'm going to talk about how <laughs> friggin' annoyed I am in all of my sports ball teams right now. Oh, so is the sports I'm ball... Angry. Is your football not with the footballing? Well... No, that yeah, just everything. It's all it's all just which which team? So you're t- you're you're Chicagoanian, yeah. The Cubs are the, the sucking. Cubbies, the yeah, Cubbies. they're falling apart. They're bad. <laughs> Bears barely beat the hideous Broncos. The hideous Broncos, but that was still fun to have everyone. My beloved donkeys. Oh, <laughs> poor Broncos. And Northwestern uh, showed up in Ledneg today. Very bad. They lost like <laughs> something to three. I don't know. So. I don't know. I need I, to take a break. I'm at peak aggravation think, from watching my sports ball. Like it's really interesting, like our contrasting relationship to sports. It and, is interesting. Sports ball. I think it's. I think it's curious. Right. I think. I think at the end of the day, I think sports for you is a community thing, right? Like it's a social community thing. Yep. It bonds you to these places that you're from. Yep. Um, deeply. And I'm not really from anywhere. Like right. this is the longest I've lived anywhere. Yep. And every time I, I, you know, I would move every two or three years and it, sports was just something that everyone's like, we're different from you because we like these sports teams that you've never heard of. I'm like, okay. Like, yeah. so I, I, I wonder how much that's it and how much I'm, I don't know. I like, I like tennis. Like I will watch. It's like one of the few sports so, I'll watch on sure. TV and it's, it's all about the agony, right? Tennis is about watching someone just crumble under pressure. That's what, that's mm. what, that's what tennis is. Okay. And Team sports are all about watching two corporations and one of which crumbles under pressure. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's, it is. It is about, I mean, I, I think it actually would have been fantastic to be a sports fan back in the time when your team represented your community. Yeah. And it wasn't like, this, it wasn't, it was different than it is today, right? That would have been pretty cool. Have you seen, so one of my favorite movies, I haven't seen it in a long time, but one of my favorite movies for a long time uh, was Basketball. Have you seen basketball? I have not seen so basketball. So in the in the beginning of basket basketball, there's just it just it's just like a repeated bludgeoning of this point where mm. they're showing all the teams moving around for stupid reasons and okay. and how like uh I so I, I don't know the teams well, right? So like, they talk about you know, like the Raiders moving back and forth and then they're moving again. and then yeah, and then no one cares. And right. <laughs> Yeah. So it's one of the big themes of basketball is that kind of like, oh, it's our home team, but they're really these like corporate entities that don't care about you and are just maximizing like don't don't even think that it isn't lost on me that I root for the Cubs that is owned by the Ricketts family. No, I, I, I mean like yeah, it yeah. bothers me. Yes. No, I'm not saying it to be mean. I just like it's one of the things I love so much about that movie because I, I as a nerd and a a non sports ball like I'll watch the sports ball, but I don't care. Right? I mean, you're not when you're cheering for it. You're not cheering for the people playing the game. You're cheering for yourself, right? I mean, you're cheering for yourself. Well, that's why you're cheering what, for your own emotional connection to something. That's, that's why, why people say we win and they lost. Is that what you're trying to say? Is that I, why? So I have tried very. I try very hard when talking about sports to avoid the first person plural. I try to avoid 
we because I'm not playing. I'm not a part of the team, right? I don't say like, oh, we really need this first down. We really need this home run. I'd be like, you know. But but on another level, right? Like that's what you get out of sports is that community and that identifying of the other people in that, like the Cubby fans. I mean, when when the Bears beat the Broncos, that's what I get out of it. I get that ability to gloat, high five my son and be like, (laughs) that's what I get out of it. What else am I going to get out of it? As soon as it's over, it's over. But that's a real we thing, right? Yeah. Like to a certain level, like it's, 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 I'm, but I am a person who's really fascinated with with tensions and dichotomies and, and things that both make sense and are and, and make no sense. And that's one of the things, right? Like the we aspect of it, you get a lot out of, but you won't say we because you also know that you're not playing the game. I'm not playing the game. I try to recognize <laughs> that. But there's a there's an aspect of of the more that you put on the line, the the more you get out of it. Right. Yeah. So if I was watching that game and it's just me and my son and we're and we're watching that game and no one else is around, the stakes aren't that high. Right? Right. But, but when, my wife's when there, Stacey's your wife's there, there, and they're both rooting against me. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, the, the stakes are high now. Yeah. <laughs> and like, man, this is so much better. So so it's 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 the same reason of playing a board game or something, or playing something competitively. Yeah. Right. Right, at least in something competitive, you actually have control over the outcome versus playing solitaire. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but you're you're raising the stakes by saying like, okay, I'm going to engage in this competitively, yeah. right? And and you get everything about it is is more intense, um, and it can it can really take away from the the fun, mm-hmm. or it can add to the fun. It kind of just depends on 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 what's happening. You yeah. Know? So. But I think it's interesting that this stretches to video games too, right? Like a lot of your kind of youthful playing of video games was online MMO, yeah, oh, shooter games, t- totally co- competitive MMO, social it, gaming, right? Absolutely, it, it was all it, that was being a part of the football team or the baseball team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like we are going to take this castle down, or we are going to wipe these guys out, or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, I was playing Apple II like adventure games, like single player, yeah. whatever. So it's interesting. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a community mindset with everything. I mean, don't you think that some people think of their Apple fandom as a sports team? Yeah. No, I'm not saying I'm against community. Okay. Like I'm not like, Oh, community is terrible. Like that's yeah. a crazy point of view. Right. I'm just saying like the, our approach to gaming, a lot of it is differently motivated. Like I, I, I really enjoy it. So we do, for people that don't know. So we do uh, 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 a bunch of legacy gaming together and we play a lot of, we play competitive games too, but we, we play a I lot mean, of, it's a much smaller percentage of what r- we do. Right. But maybe like 60, 70% are sure. these kind of long-term co-op campaigns. Legacy campaigns. Games. Yeah. 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 Um, and those are, I think those are great. Yeah. Right. Um, but like my initial like foray into a lot of these things, ignoring D and D and that sort of thing, right? Is like I like I like AAA games. Like, Video, yeah. yeah, 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 sure. So anyway, um, <laughs> so there you there you have it. Sports ball sucks lately. Sports That's, ball. I'm sorry about your sports ball. Yeah, I was. You know, S- speaking of competitive, um, <laughs> I uh, I've been playing online board games. So I've been playing on a site called Yukata. Uh, it's yukata.de. So it's a German site. Yukata with a C, yep. not Yukata Y-U- with a K. That's right. Y-U-C-A-T-A.de. They have, a I don't know, over 100 games, 100, 200 games, something like that. They have a lot of different games that they've had for 10, 12 years that they mm-hmm. have the online license. I don't know what you know environment, but all the games, it's all like a big patchwork thing. There's not like some common framework that you're that you're playing like some game to see the log of a game might look like this and other games like you basically have to learn the ui for every new game you play they're not all the same it's there's no standard interface yeah it's It's, a central place it's a central place exactly not a common framework and it has a whole ranking thing and it has you know you get all these like silly titles like if you've won five games you're a farmer or a weaver you know it's like a big village are you a weaver i think i'm a farmer i don't know you're a cobbler i'm not sure everyone else (laughs) you're gonna be a high priest or whatever um but it's all, you know, it's, you can play ranked games or not ranked games. You can have private invitations. So, like, if you wanted to play something on there, I could just invite you or I can open up to the public. Um, and it's all asynchronous and works pretty well. You know, you get email notifications when it's your turn. And it's, uh, it's fun. I've been playing. I got on there to play 
um, a game Sekigahara with a friend of mine, which is a pretty heavy two player war game strategy game, you know, about the, you knew, you the know about Sogukawa this. Shogunate. Correct. Yes. yes. It's a, it's a fantastic game. It's very mind melting, uh, very intense game. Really cool, really cool war game though. And there was a sort of thing where we didn't have a lot of opportunities to play that in person. So I was like, oh, there's this, you know, web implementation of it. We can play there. So we played a couple games of that. Um, we're also now, we just started a game of Few Acres of Snow, which is a French Indian war game. But those are, one, there's only a couple war games in there. Most of the games in there are like light dice games right. and super light stuff. Right. And I play, I don't know, usually like four or five of those going. And But it's asynchronous. Asynchronous. So you're just playing with people you don't know. And what I found is that the the intensity of the competition when you're playing people you don't know, even at these really light games like Las Vegas or Can't Stop, these really simple dice games, I just feel like I'm getting like stabbed in the back constantly. Right, right. You know, and it's a totally different feeling than if I were to play these games with, with you or my wife or, or whatever, just kind of casually, where it's like, hey, we're rolling some dice, it's a social time. And this is more like, man, people are just really out to... It's all about winning, because what else is it going to be about? So... In the lost episode, <laughs> we talked about um, how context matters, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you sitting down and you're playing a game with your friends versus you going to, like, a competitive Yahtzee. Yahtzee is a bad example. Scrabble. Scrabble. Yeah, yeah Scrabble Scrabble's competition. Good like, you're going to win. Sure. Right? That's why you're, you're there. In this competitive context. And when you're playing these online games against people you don't know, you're in a competitive context and the facial expressive. There's no other way to have fun. Dynamics are gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could, you know, people have tried, right? Like put like a little emoji and you put, you know, social whatever. But yeah. this is, this is one of the driving forces of things like Twitter and, and all these things where the comp, the competitive dynamics, the dunking on people, right. The, the crushing victory. Right. And, 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 uh, the team, like who wins dynamics is what people get out of it. They're not getting out of it. Hey, I'm having a good time with my friend playing Seki Gihara, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas you have to sit down with that intention, with that context. So, yeah. And the other thing is, is that you, you also have no idea of the approach the other person is bringing to the game. Right. So I could be playing against someone who's a real shark at one of these light games and has played it 3000 times online. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, like no great strategies. They know exactly what they're going to do. Or I might be playing someone who is just kind of playing it casually, just killing some time at lunch or whatever. And I really have no idea. All I know is the moves that they're making. And I'm, you know, sometimes I'm like, Oh, that, that seemed like a bad mover or that was really (laughs) sharp or, you know, you just, you don't know. And and the other thing that I've, that I had at first, um, when I first signed onto this site was I was like, well, I really should only play games that I know because I don't want to go and look like a dope and, you know, start playing something and not know. It'd be like going to Vegas or a casino, right? And playing, sitting down and playing blackjack and you're doing it wrong, right? Like this classic, like, oh, you shouldn't have hit or <laughs> like you're, you yeah. don't know the conventions of what you're supposed to do. Right. And if you're playing a game with more than two people, it's like, oh, you're going to get blamed because you let the other guy win because you right. did something stupid or or whatever. So there's all these social things that are yeah. inferred, right? Yeah, that you can't pick up on at all. And there's, and there's a chat, but I've, no one's used it. Right. Like I've had no, I've had no Cause, chat Because we all know how friendly gaming chats are. Well, number one, <laughs> with, I don't know how many people I'm even playing with speak English necessarily. Yeah, true. I mean, it's, a, yeah. it's a European-based site. So, I mean, they maybe do, they probably do. I don't, I don't know, but... You know, it just feels a little weird to go onto a German site and be like, start talking English if you don't. I mean, there's little flags you can have, whatever. But um, in any case, it's still a cool idea. I like playing it. It's a completely different experience. It's in no way a substitute. Like, if this were my experience of board games, I don't, it's, 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 it wouldn't do it for me. Yeah. I, I would get bored of it. But you had a good time playing Second Gahara with I did. your friend. I, yes, because um, we know each other and I can, I can imagine. Like, we can talk about it, right? you know, in, in that whole thing. It's not like we just have this game and then it goes away. But it's a good place to meet your friends. It's yes. maybe not a good place, maybe not a great experience to just drop in and play with random people. It's a, I mean, it's okay. Like it's, it's fine. It just depends what you're doing. And maybe you end up on some of the heavier games. Yeah. Maybe you end up 
making a new online friend. Maybe you want to be a shark or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the other thing that's interesting about it is you get a sense of a game that you that you don't normally get. So I'm playing kind of a mixture of games that I've actually own or have played and games that I don't. And so for the games that I own, there's this game Targi, which is a two player game. It's T A R G I that Stacey and I play uh now and again. And playing against somebody else is just so much different in terms of like, oh wow, I wouldn't have thought to be like that cutthroat in certain ways. Right. right? That we just like we're not approaching games with that level of of intensity. Like in terms of how we're competing against, I mean, we're playing to, to kind of, you're intuiting, you're intuiting yeah. strategy as a first or a third time player, not as someone that is baked into that context and knows the conventions of really kind of tactical cutthroat. Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is that if, if there's a game out there that I've only played with one person before, I'm going to see a very narrow window of, yeah. of, of tactics. And so yeah. seeing what someone else brings to it, it, it either opens my eyes or validates that, like oh, okay, I'm on the right track. I'm kind of playing it, you know, more or less well, the way I think. So it's kind of a cool experience. I mean, certainly not not for every not for everybody. I mean, but if there's certain games that you know you wanted to try out, it's kind of a cool way without having to get a hold of the game or find somebody. Or if there's just a game you really enjoy playing and don't get an opportunity a lot, it's it's kind of cool for that as well. So I'm yeah. I'm I'm liking it. Like I said, it's not a substitute for any of the other in-person things that I do, but it's, uh, it's, it's kind of cool. So yeah, it's, it's, like I said, it's called yukata.de and, um, I'll I'll keep playing. Little, little note about, uh, Sekigahara. So, um, one of my favorite novels is someone that was really into kind of samurai culture and, um, uh, samurai films back in the, back in the nineties. There's a very famous novel by Yiji Yoshikawa. Uh, called Musashi that is set. I believe it starts with the Battle of Sekigahara. Hmm. And if if you're at all interested in that, if you're one of those people that read the Book of Five Rings back in the day, which was uh, Musashi's text, um, the novel is fantastic hmm. and uh, really delves into some interesting characters from Japanese history, and it's really fun. So. Well, be, that could be cool. I mean, I had just recently. I think I meant. I don't remember if I mentioned or not, but I had just recently finished. Um, the book Return of a King, mm. which is, I was inspired to read that because of Pax Pamir. So that was a, a situation where it's like, I really enjoy the context of this board game. And that got me to go and read a historical novel about, you know, 1840 Afghanistan and the great game. <laughs> it was great. It was an excellent book. Yeah. And I, I, it's been 20 years since I read this novel, but one of the things I love in Japanese food is the, the pickled radishes, right? You do. Um, <laughs> I like, I like fermented anything. Yes. So I like kimchi. I like these pickled radishes, uh, pickled, the pickled radishes. And I'm, I'm hope I'm hoping I remember this from a novel I read 22 years ago. Uh, the radishes are named after a Buddhist monk who's a, ba- a, a Zen monk who's a, a character in the novel named Takuan who loved to eat the radishes. And that's why they're called that. Or, or love to eat the... the, the. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just one of my favorite just random details that I'm sure I'm remembering wrong. But anyway. Hmm. So what else have you been playing? Yay for minute stuff. Um, <clears throat> so I've been, I've been playing my Switch a little more. So I've been playing a little bit of Breath of the Wild. I've been making progress, kind of grinding through stuff. Um, Do you use grinding intentionally? Uh, not, not grinding from a tonally perspective, but like I've been intentionally looking up, hey, where are the shrines? I want to go play the does next Does it shrine. inspire wonder for you? It does a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah like it, yeah. The, the one, it, expire, it, it inspires wonder at this kind of, kind of low end piece of hardware looks so great. The game is so great mm-hmm. on what is kind of characterized as kind of like last generation technology. Um, but like the sounds, the, the look Which of the I game. I think it's hilarious because like 98% of the games that I play would run on hardware from 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I tend to play the old yeah. the indie style stuff that doesn't yeah. need the up-to-date graphic stuff. But it, it, it looks great. It sounds great. The gameplay is great. The combat is super fun. I mean, to be clear, this is a game from two, two and a half years ago. Two years ago, I think. That, that everyone else has played and said is fantastic. Shockingly, I think it's fantastic too. Um, it does have one of those things that I hate in games, which is it has like, you know, this cooking thing, sure. which is, you know, crafting with a thousand different kinds of currencies with 
recipes that you don't know and i'm just like can i can i just skip this can i skip this part of the game right and you really, yeah i think we said you need a chef just you, following you around you need to be able to i would pay five bucks to nintendo to give me a chef that whenever i showed up a campfire says <laughs> what do you need cooking it up for you no here's what you need you need to have a chef that is a cross game chef so that yeah. no matter what game you go yeah. into he knows what you like he knows yeah. what you don't like He'll, he'll, Excuse know. me, hey, can I get a maitre d too that will show? Excuse me, sir, what style of game would you like to play today? I will, I will relay your desires to the chef. It's like this guy, he doesn't ever like the fire resistance <laughs> potions. Don't cook those. Don't cook those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I've been playing Breath of the Wild. I have developed some uh, empathy or sympathy. I'm empathy for your your personal suffering at the cost of Nintendo Switch games, which. I was was insufficiently oh, the, the, for. the monetary cost. Yeah, yeah. they're freaking yeah. 4X, 5X, what? Like yeah. You can get a, a, a game from it's the crazy. iPhone that's $3, I know. and you can pay 20 on the Switch. It's insane. It's pretty crazy. Um, You're but, really paying a premium for the popularity and portability of the console. I think it's, I think a lot of it's market segmentation too, right? Like it's like the, there are a certain oh, it's like people paying for Apple, whatever. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, there are folks that just play their game on the switch. And I think in a lot of ways, switch and, and Nintendo's entire, like their entire ecosystem is, is based on people that really like the Nintendo aesthetic and the, like, I mean, I, I guess this yeah. maybe goes without saying, but unlike PlayStation and Xbox, which they're kind of, you could switch back and forth, mm-hmm. right? Like their 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 AAAs are a lot like each other's AAAs. Absolutely, yeah. Nintendo's the 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 games that people play on Nintendo are Nintendo style games, well, right? There's a there's they a are, the but, coherence there. But what's changed? What changed with the Switch that was not true of all the previous Nintendo consoles is that the indie developers, the the stuff I like. Actually, yeah. actually came like, they could like, they could show up they showed up yeah and so previously i mean that whole thing really got started with xbox in terms of consoles i mean it was on pc of course but x the whole xbox indie game thing yeah i think got that you know really going i mean that's where all the you know the the originals like the the fez and braid mm-hmm. and you know the the real early classics of the indie game stuff were at was always on the xbox and then they might show up in other places but that was the platform to to be at i mean now xbox offers like almost nothing i mean unless you're like some crazy gears or halo you know fan person right unless you're engaged with those particular there's really not a lot because i feel like the reason why i stuck with with the xbox franchise for so long was because they were really fostering the indie style games that yeah. I like to play. And and now, yes, I'm paying five, seven dollars more for the same things on the Switch, but just everything about it is just so much snappier. It's like faster to get in and play them, right? I mean the Xbox, the boot up time on the Xbox is just absurd for you know <laughs> for what it is. It's crazy. I mean just everything about it is convenient. The store experience is better. Like yeah. just the e-store or whatever it's called yeah. is, is better than it is on the Xbox. You're no, you don't feel like you're constantly inundated by, you know, 8,000 different EA sports titles and just, you know, shit that's not for me. I think right? um, like Call of Duty 84 or yeah. whatever the hell. I, mean, I think it's neat when we can have that kind of I have real no biases against Call of Duty 84. No. Um, <laughs> I need to play a Call of Duty game because I've not played one. Um, just so Why? well, because like I, one of the things that really annoys me in life is when people criticize things they know nothing about and it's fine. It doesn't have to annoy you. Yeah. I'm just saying it annoys me. And, and so like, I feel like I should play one of the games and be like, yeah, it's, it is what it is. I think I know what it is. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of people in the world that would like, I hate blah because it's a blah, but like they have this image in, in their head and they don't know what they're talking about. Right. And, and. Just my pet peeve. It doesn't have to be your pet peeve. It's okay. No, but it's yeah. fine. It's fine if it it disappoints me too. Um, but the, I think it's wonderful. So I think it's wonderful when we can see that sort of ecosystem that you you actually see like indie developers like or whatever it is, right? An ecosystem that actually lets. <laughs> The thousand points of light um, that actually lets the flowers bloom, right? Like that, that lets things like indie developers make games versus, you know, the old school days where it was just, you had to buy a dev kit 
and mm-hmm. spend lots and lots of money, right? And 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 get invited, right? So that's great. That's what Xbox brought. What I think is interesting is anybody can make a game on iOS, right? Yep. And but that ecosystem, for, at least for gaming, like it's probably the number one gaming platform in the world. But most of the games are crap, right? Sure. Because because the the way that ecosystem's been structured has been to drive prices down and incentivize you know all these all these kind of behaviors that they don't make the games good but people make a lot of money yeah there are of course there are still some gems that that show up yeah right but zero not zero but they're certainly harder to find than they were eight nine years ago yeah i mean it's it's a big difference the one thing I, i was just gonna say about the nintendo store is that it it did seem like for a while the the i'm gonna use the word purity but like the purity of what you found in the store was was really high it felt like like quality titles it didn't feel like you were getting all this like filler and in garbage and it, it felt like it had been what's the word curated Cur- yeah, yeah it, it felt, felt like it, been curated. It, it did now though i would say like the last five or six months <laughs> it really feels like you go on there and you're like what came out in the last week and it's like you're just paging through pages and pages of right you know dating simulator crap and just <laughs> people like that though. i know like, but, they, it, but they do. well i know but I mean, what am I not going to express my opinion about the sorts of games no. I don't like? I mean, yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I but, but so one of the things we talked about in the Lost episode was how I need to play a dating sim because I just don't get it. And I told like, you the, the one you're supposed to play is the one where you're the bartender. The bartender, bartender yeah. dating sim. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna have to look this one up. Bartender. I'm right. I'm taking note. Uh, one of the things I talked about in Kotaku, taking it back to the Apple Store for just for a second, was there. Are, they're hypothesizing, hey, what is this ecosystem of Apple's subscription $5 a month gaming platform going to do, right? Does it create a ceiling for gameplay, right? Or, or a ceiling for creators? Like you can, you can buy into their subscription, but you can't ever do well. You can't ever be a breakout hit. And, and, and they're wondering, which I think is, is, is an interesting question, if this subscription model for these highly curated games is actually going to be going to make the gameplay experience on iOS worse, right? Why would it be worse? Because why would you, if you're going to be the new breakout thing or that's what you want to do, you really want to explode. Like at least on iOS, the subscription model, like you're going to get a percentage of something, right? You can't be the next really amazing transcendent game. I don't know. I, it's so hard for me to talk about these game subscriptions. Like everybody's got one, and you have fatigue. You have game. You I have just, subscription fatigue, like everyone else in America. Yeah, I mean it's subscription fatigue, and it's in. And I, it's because at this point, all of those things are about making. It's it's because you know financiers want recurring revenue. ARR. Yeah, they want ARR. Everyone wants to turn every business into a gym membership. Yeah. Yep. And exactly. And they want they want you to pay for the possibility of doing something that you don't actually take advantage of. That's what they want you to pay for. Yeah. And I'm just tired of it. They want to pay for a gym membership you don't use. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm and I'm I'm tired of that model being thrown at me and I'm actually willing to pay more to just get the things that I want. Yeah. And it's anyway. I mean, I, I agree, but I'm curious what well, you're, you're pointing. Your oh no. Out. So Did the you game, the bartender yes, game? it's called VA 11 hall, a cyberpunk what? bartender what? action. What? Yes. VA 11. It's a switch game. Yes. 11 hall, a cyberpunk cyber... bartender action. What? What? Yes. What? So this is the dating. It's time to mix drinks and change lives. Experience the celebrated bosom up about waifus, technology, and daily life in a post dystopian world. What's a waifu? I don't know. Welcome to VA 11 Hall A. In this world, corporations reign supreme. All human life is infected with nano machines designed to oppress them, and the terrifying white knights ensure that everyone obeys the laws. Oh my God. But this story is not about those people. You are a bartender at VA 11 Hall A, affectionately nicknamed Valhalla. Although it's just a small bar downtown town, Glitch City, it attracts the most fascinating people this side of dystopia. Keep your clients lubricated, and you'll be made privy to the most interesting stories. So I don't think it's a dating sim, but it's like a, you're interacting with yeah. your customers. But yeah. it's, it's it's the same idea. It's like a, yeah, it's kind of a... I'm, uh, sure, the, I'm sure that you could... But, I mean, this, what a This name. would probably be more approachable to me than one of these crazy... I've heard this game is awesome. Yeah? I, I have. <laughs> yes. I've heard this game is very, very and good. And it's essentially called Valhalla. Yeah. 
with clever naming. Correct. Yeah, it's VA eleven Halle, so it's Valhalla. Okay, correct. It's just elite speak for Valhalla. I get the joke now. There you go. Oh my god. Okay. So this is the game I've been trying to think of. It was kind of hard to find. When I search for Swift, you always get Taylor Swift, so you have to. Oh yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about um, you're talking about Zelda Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. Um, Link's Awakening just came out. So this is which neither one of us have played. Neither one of us has played. This is a redo, a complete from the ground up. Every single frame of the game, you know, it was a Game Boy game in '93, right? So it was 25 years ago. Yeah, game. I think it was the fourth Nintendo. I'm sorry, it was the fourth Zelda game. I think. Okay. Um, I never played it. It was on the Game Boy, and it's <laughs> you're gonna laugh, but it's it's kind of like oh, this is the Zelda game I really want to play on the Switch because it's so cute. Because like, it's all cooking. It's all cooking. No, it's not cooking, but just <laughs> it's because it's got that it's got that indie aesthetic to it and not the AAA aesthetic to it. Right. But it's still going to have the quality of a Zelda title. So I really haven't bought a lot of the... the I haven't dropped a lot of dollars for the, mm-hmm. for the bigger Nintendo games, but I'm kind of thinking I might... I might end this one because I never played the original and it looks great. And so, and it just feels like the sort of thing where it doesn't have that. We've talked about that whole baggage and overhead of like, what's the control scheme again? <laughs> like, like I think that's why I like the games. That's, that's why I like the games that I like because the control schemes don't require me to know 12 different buttons. I just have to kind of, you know, know five buttons or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll probably get that. We've also been playing. Uh, we put well, not we have not been playing. We had one session last weekend. We finally, finally had a family four player Diablo three, <laughs> and that was great. It was just button mashing, good time of yeah, going through. But like Jason, Jason taking over the coordination of the, uh, the <laughs> items end. during the bathroom breaks every couple. <laughs> Literally, when we we only do like we don't constantly do loot in that game because it's with four people it'd be yeah it'd take forever we we just said we're not even going to open inventory screens to like level 10 like just <laughs> wait till you get there just use whatever you you know and then of course like you know except for my son everyone else just hands me their controller and like okay kind of flip around but it's you know it's pretty fun but i was just thinking about a game that has you use all the buttons but it Unless you're playing in really hard difficulty, it kind of doesn't matter. You're just hitting a bunch of buttons. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like I I keep hitting this one. Oh, Button is my timer mash. ready on this one? I'll yeah. I'll do that. And we should play in a higher difficulty, but yeah, know, it's been it's been pretty good. Do what you enjoy. Like, yeah, yeah. So, what else you been playing? Uh so I've been playing two games that both curiously have uh, uh, a little bit of Kubrick inspiration, a little bit of uh, or a lot of a brutal brutalist architecture aesthetic. So one was the VR game red matter. Uh, I haven't talked about VR games in a while cause most of them are bad. Um, but that's <laughs> true. But uh, red matter is kind of set in this uh, dystopian kind of cold war world. And you are, you're landing on uh, one of Saturn's moons. Yeah. S- strangely enough. Okay. Um, and you are you're going after trying to figure out what's happened on this this Volgravian, which is this kind of Soviet Eastern Bloc sort of nation, okay. uh, on one of their their installations there. And so basically, it's a puzzling game. It's a puzzler. You've just got a lot of environmental puzzles, but there, it manages to have a lot of tensions without being like really. And like what elevates scary. what elevates this one amongst most of the VR you know, track? It looks really good. The puzzles are great. Um, the way that it manages kind of tension in the game and, and, um, I was hoping you were going to say, cause it's a game and not an experiment. Cause it's a game and not an experiment. <laughs> Unlike most VR games, which it's like, uh, yeah. So most VR games, if you haven't played a VR game, most VR games kind of feel like someone's like got a dev kit. They got a dev kit and they're like, I'm going to figure out how to do a thing. Exactly. And this, they're actual puzzles. You're actually doing stuff. You have to figure out stuff from the environment and infer things. Does it need to be VR? Like, could this be a PS4 game? Just a standard game? It probably could be a PS4 game. It's really great. I think, I think it would lose a lot being just a regular PS4 game. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not super long. Um, You finished it? Yeah, I finished it. Okay. I I don't remember how long. Like six, seven four, hours. Yeah, six so, hours. Something, something like less that. Less than ten. Yeah, I think it was fifteen bucks, something around that. Um, but it was it was great. It's um it's I think eighty four on Metacritic, which is Wow. Which is really good. That's really good. Yeah. Um and there are a couple little like 
little Kubrick references in cool. the game that are fun, fun to experience. Hmm. Um, I can't try the VR game since I don't have the VR deck, but you'd have to, you'd have to come over. We have to s- would, set up. An yeah. Evening I, and I don't, and I don't, do I don't want, I don't like putting the helmet on. I don't, I don't know. Just, it's weird. It's yeah. a weird sort you'll, of thing. You'll have to. You'll just have to tell me about those. Yeah. Do so what's, want, no, go ahead. Yeah. So the what's second the, the second game I've been playing um, is Control, and it's a uh, you know it's 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 a triple A ish game. It's right. kind of borderline. Uh, put out by Remedy Entertainment. They they made um, Max Payne. <clears throat> Max uh, Max Payne. Alan Wake. Uh, Quantum Break. That was the Bullet Time one. I didn't play it. Oh, pretty sure. Um. And so they, it's described as it's, a... I'm ma- surprised because it seems like like completely your jam. Bullet time? The Max Payne, just the whole game, solve a series of murders and just that kind of... Yeah. When, but when did it come out though? 2008. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just so. Maybe I just missed it. Um, oh, no, 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 no. So the, the first one was like 2002. Sorry, the movie was 2008. Sorry about that. The first game was like 2002, three, and then it looks like Rockstar 2012. I think 2002, I had a Sega Dreamcast, okay. so I wasn't playing anything. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, Ma- Rockstar did Max Payne 3. Got it. Uh, so this, this is, the, it's, descri- it's a third-person game. It's really a shooter, which mm-hmm. is not what I was kind of expecting. I've, I've been doing this thing where I try to avoid uh, spoilers and trailers too much. Like, I watch a little bit of a trailer. I'm like, I love the theme or the tone of that game, and I will play it. Um, and so I was expecting it to be kind of more, you know, more survival horror-y, uh, more, a little more in the jump scare department. And it's really not that there's a lot of tension in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a Metroidvania shooter, right? Like you have this open world you can explore and you can progress through and you're but it's not Metroidvania. Items. Like it's not 2d, right? But if you look up the description of this and I think it's apt, it's yeah. a Metroidvania game, right? Like it's, really? you can, you can explore however you want. You, you have all these upgrades to go through, et cetera, hmm. et cetera. I don't know if I've ever heard of a game ex- described like a, that way. That doesn't a have 2d game. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't have that type of, a I mean, it is a third person okay. 3d Metroidvania shooter. So I would not have described it that way, but after thinking about it and reading some other descriptions like, yeah, you're right. That's, I mean, it's like describing something as a 3d platformer, which exists, but you usually, when you think of a platformer, you think of 2d games usually. Yeah. I mean, not not I mean, all the Mario games, the, the, what you call it, the Mario galaxy. I mean, those are 3d platformers. Well, this, I mean, you're, you're doing a lot of things you do in a Metroid, uh, Castlevania game, right? You're exploring at, at will you're you're going through kind of weapon upgrades and, mm-hmm. and and picking stuff up and and you have a bunch of respawning enemies and um yeah no it's, it's you great. Have superpowers so, so yeah so the the thing that makes this great is the art the art direction of the game is right. fantastic that's what looks appealing it's fantastic so i am playing it on a, a base ps4 a occasionally and by occasionally, maybe every 15 minutes, something happens and the, the frame rate just goes to garbage. <laughs> hmm. um, so it's apparently amazing on, on PC. It's one of the first games to really completely utilize uh, real-time ray tracing. So the, like the latest and kind of yeah. 3D graphics PC hardware, which I don't have because I'm not a PC gamer. Right. And apparently it's amazing. But it looks great mm-hmm. on, on PS4. And the reason why is you're in this uh so you're in what's called the the oldest house you're in the headquarters of um the federal bureau of control right so you're you're this you're the main character uh this woman named jesse faden you're looking for her brother and you show up at this this weird brutalist building kind of it's kind of got a 60s fbi theme everything is concrete and yeah it's but it's beautiful. It looks really good. Yeah, and so I keep saying I gotta the, might have to pick this one up. So the experience of the game and the a lot of the the greatness is just the environment. Like the building is the the main character of the game. It's kind of your main adversary. Like it it's it does all these various kind of surreal things, um, and it it looks it looks great. Uh, what are you doing? You're flying around. You're using, you're kind of gaining these psychic powers over time and throwing bricks at people and How which it, is amazingly satisfying. So, <laughs> which is I was, weird. Isn't so I was, weird? I was waiting for you. I was actually thinking, when is he going to throw down the S word satisfying? I was yeah. waiting for that to come. And the last time I remember you using the word satisfying to describe a game was in Spider-Man yeah. for PS4, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I just heard someone else talk about it very, very much the same terms that you did. Like yeah. they described, like 
like saying that like this isn't really normally my type of thing, but this was just so much fun and it was just a fun, yeah. satisfying game. Um, and I was I was going to ask you what when we use the word satisfying, we I think gamers throw this word around sure a lot. <laughs> what I mean, it's it's just one of the, I hear people do it in board games too. Mm-hmm. What are people what do people mean when they say it's satisfying? Well, like satisfying. What does it satisfy? Like a hunger or a, a craving for something? Like a feeling of connection? What, what's what's satisfying? So I think obvious. So so the, I think the obvious thing to say is like nobody means the same thing when they say this, right? Like it, your your board gaming group that plays these really kind of deep down mm-hmm. tactical games, for yep. example, like their definition of satisfying is m- probably meeting their expectations and and really kind of having a low friction way to play those kind of tactical games and let them get into what they want to get into. Right. Maybe. Okay. Um, and, and so if you had told me ahead of time that I would really love a Spider-Man game, right. Yep. I would laugh at you. Right. Because, because I don't care that much about Spider-Man. That is exactly like, what this other guy said. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So I like, but the, 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 the latest Marvel Spider-Man game, it is it when it looks good. Um, and I, I'm not into, like, I didn't read Spider-Man comics as a kid. I, yeah, I've seen most of the movies, but I, I haven't seen all the movies, and I kind of don't care that much. But the web-slinging, like, jumping through the air and, and, and just that experience is really smooth, and you can, you can learn how to do it and feel like you're gaining some skill at, like, right. diving around and having these experiences. And you feel, to a certain it's a game, right? But you feel like you're you're doing the Spider-Man's, like, uh, swinging through uh, the build, uh, swinging through New York or swinging through the environment. And you feel like you're doing it. Like, you feel like the buttons you are doing right. so have an this interaction. Is, this is what I think. And I think this is true for video games yeah. and board games. I think when people say it's satisfying, I think what they're getting at is that it feels as the, though there is a fair and just path to expertise. True. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like you're not necessarily the master, but, but the game is not just wantonly like, you know, putting you under its thumb and you just lose because of some random, whatever, like you, you have choice and how you approach the game yeah. and the choice that you make ultimately matters to your success. And, and that feels satisfying in the same way that if you accomplish something with work or your hobby or, or whatever, and you set out to do, and you're like, okay, this is my plan and I'm going to develop this path towards extra expertise. And then you, you, you know, you make the woodworking thing you wanted to make, or you put out the software that you intended to put out, right? Um, you feel as though there was this path before you that you could take to gain the expertise and yeah. you, you took it in the game. What the game does, right. Is I mean, most games are going to do it in a shorter time frame. I mean, not, maybe dead souls or whatever, but right. most games are going to compress that for you. And so it feels satisfying. Like, like you went through a whole bunch to get expertise, but you didn't actually have to spend 10,000 hours. Yeah. So it's, uh, so a, a restating, right. Might be you're familiar. So back in the day, people used to talk a lot about, uh, me, Hey, chick sent me highs flow. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Um, so this is where the curve of, of challenge and and learning kind of meet right and you get into this state where it's not so hard that you just like oh, screw this is a waste of my time and it's not so easy that it's not fun right right um and i think yeah it's I, the right level it, of challenge for, it, and that's what meets that that goal and but i i think the the other aspect of it is there's certain things that are just fun right like swinging um, that kind of Tarzan or, or Spider-Man, like I am swinging through the environment. I mean, it's super fun. It's not that challenging at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there is a, there is a challenge curve to it, but the second aspect is it's super fun. So in control, one of the things that I think is super fun is you can use your telekinetic power to rip bricks and, and concrete out of the wall and throw them at people, right? Like this, yeah. this kind of je- evil Jedi force power. And it's super fun. It's kind of dumb, mm-hmm. right? If you just said, hey, I'm going to make a game there. You're going to throw bricks at people with your psychic powers. I'm like, that sounds dumb. But somehow- But if they, they feel like they have the right weight in, in right. everything, if, it, if the right. feedback of the whole system mm-hmm. feels legitimate, it feels, yeah. you know, it has a satisfying feel to yeah, it. The, just the sound that it makes sure. and, and everything else is uh, it's, it's pretty great. Yeah, that sounds, um, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> 
We'll just take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, so I have a new segment idea. It's called <laughs> Pitch a Game. Pitch a Game. Pitch a Game. So this is like elevator, not pitch like baseball pitch. This is like elevator you're not, pitch. You're not throw I'm a, not going to throw any Nintendo games at you. Cartridge at I'm me. not going to do that. Don't hit me in the eye. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read some. So, you know, obviously I play a lot of different games, read about a lot of things. You're in the board game area and you don't keep up on that stuff as currently. So there's a huge trove of game descriptions out there that I can kind of read. Some of them I think are entertaining and I'm only going to read ones that I've played. So I'm going to read three different ones. We're just going to kind of talk about your reaction, like based on the description, what would be your draw or reticence to play? Like what, what would you think if I was like, Hey, let's, let's play this. All right. All right. And, and so, where, where, so where are you getting your, your I'm just getting these off board game geek. Okay. BGG so I, descriptions. These are not my descriptions, but they are all games that I've played. Mm. And so I'll read these descriptions. We'll kind of talk about your first impressions to it. And then we can talk about um, what it's like. I also believe you've not played any of these. So I'm choosing games that I've played that you have not. Sure. Okay. So the first one, uh, blank, is is a game uh da, 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 da. hold on um <laughs> this game takes the players to a deserted island where they'll play the parts of shipwreck survivors confronted by an extraordinary adventure they'll be faced with the challenges of building shelter finding food fighting wild beasts and protecting themselves from weather changes building walls around their homes animal domestication constructing weapons and tools from what they find and much more awaits them on the island the players decide in which direction the game will unfold, and after several in-game weeks of hard work, how their settlement will look. Will they manage to discover the secret of the island in the meantime? Will they find a pirate treasure or an abandoned village? Will they discover an underground city or a cursed temple at the bottom of a, of a volcano? Answers to these questions lie in hundreds of event cards and hundreds of object and structure cards that can be used during the game. Hmm. How does that grab you? I mean, it, it, it sounds like uh, sounds like a fun kind of exploration game. There are a couple little little hints there that make me think it's it's got some some uh, Euroe aspects to it. But w- when we when we start saying, "Hey, there are hundreds of uh, event or whatever cards," that that sounds a little more a little more up my alley. So I don't know. It sounds like it could be pretty fun. Okay. Um, what about it sounds <clears throat> So I think uh, what, what would most interest you I in think, playing that? Yeah, I mean the the exploration aspect, the the kind of like discovery mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um maybe I wasn't listening close enough. This is, is an it? epic game. You will build a shelter, palisade, weapons, you will create tools like axes, knives, sacks. You will do everything <laughs> you can to survive. You will have to find food, fight wild beasts, protect yourself from weather changes. So <laughs> This is uh, this is a game. This is Robinson Crusoe. Okay, Adventures on the Cursed Island. Okay, it's a co-op game. Mm-hmm. It's a heavy co-op game. Like, yeah, you know, it, it's. Uh, I don't know what you mean by heavy co-op. Rules dense. Okay, it's it's a rules dense complex complex. It's a complex game. Yeah, by heavy, I mean it's it's complex. There's a lot of um, rules and interactions, but it's a talk about satisfying. I mean, this is a tremendously yeah. satisfying game. I'm surprised that the four of us have never hmm. played this. To be honest, I've had hmm. it for it's. Quite, I mean, it's been out a while now, 2012. Jeez. Um, I have a first edition copy. I've played it probably six or seven times. It's really difficult. I mean, it, it, it's not like we're just going to beat the crap out of you, like Arkham Horror type difficult, but it's... Mentally challenging, like a lot of thought goes into it. Yeah, your... it, a, lot, a lot goes into it, and it's... Maybe that's why we haven't played it. Maybe. So you, you can't watch me sitting here thinking about well, it Well, no, but minutes. it is co-op, so you can't all work together. It, one of the things that this game does so so much better than any other co-op game is that it offers the players the choice of you know you can get something good now because things suck because things always suck mm-hmm. and you can get something to kind of help you now but then when you do that card is going to go back into the deck and when it comes up again it's it's going to get you right hmm. so if you want to go stick your hand into that hole to go you know find some food that's great you're going to get some food right now but 
a few turns in the future, that spider bite might swell up and now you you know, have to lose a whole bunch of health or like <laughs> there can, and there's a risk reward. It's not for certain it'll happen, but there's that like calculated risk reward of, of should we get this? And it's not totally abstract. Like you can, you can almost role play it where it's like, you can intuit it. Like, should we do this? Or, you know, how much, how good is this thing to do? So, and there's a short term, long term, there's a short term, long term thing to it. There's a whole bunch of different scenarios, which are pretty cool. I've probably played about four of them, I think. Um, so you can just sort of do the basic survive thing, or mm-hmm. you can do one where there's like a, like a volcano. I mean, mm-hmm. there's different sort of setups for the game and it's dice rolling and drawing cards and a lot of the same things that you might see in, in a, like an Arkham Eldritch Horror type thing. But um, it's got a lot, the set, it really goes deep into the setting. Hmm. Like of of like you are shipwreck survivors and and you know oh here's the weather and but everything sucks constantly hmm. like just you know all the time you have limited time to uh, to do things so um, I want to bring that one up I thought you know that's one we should uh, we should definitely give a go um, at some point because you can also get quite a bit better at it it's like one of those where you like you, we build you up skill skills. you gain skill as yeah. players uh, playing it and I think it would be it would be pretty good so um, so that's blank, good blank number two. Blank number two. In blank, wizards wage no spells barred magical duels deep in an underground labyrinth. This classic board game of magical mayhem, created in 1983, pits wizards against each other in a stupendous struggle for magical mastery. Win by stealing other wizards' treasures and hauling them back to your base, or just score points by blasting the other wizards. The last wizard standing always wins. Is it called Last Wizard Standing? It's not. <laughs> it's got a better name, actually. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, it's set in the '80s, so it might be a little, a little fun in the cheese ball sort of category. Tell me uh, more about that. Well, I mean, I don't know. I played a lot of bad uh, '80s video games in the the early '80s, right? Like Wizardry, and that's, mm-hmm. I mean, bad from today's perspective. They were fantastic back in '83 or '84. Um, but there was this this kind of kind of world of Conan the Barbarian and, and, and all these, uh, uh, you know, D and D and there were so but, many things that were, but if I had said this was created in 2016, you would have had a different take on what yeah, I was describing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, what, yeah. What, what, yeah. Well, so I, I would, I would expect it to be more complicated, right? If it was 2016. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. So like in, in, uh, it was, it was in the eighties. I think it would be a little easier to approach, right? A little more, uh, uh well, you know. I think there was probably a bigger chasm in the 80s of games. There were like the super hardcore Avalon Hill war game right. with 8,000 little cardboard chits. Right. And then, and a thir- a 50, and then games for everybody page. else, yeah, yeah, yeah. which are yeah. easier, right? And today there's all this stuff in the middle for like mathy people right. to enjoy, right. right? That aren't on the, those two edges. And this, this to me sounds like, yeah, we're wizards in a maze. It sounds like a little bit of the, the easier sort yeah. of approachable sort of thing. Would you... Would you play that? <laughs> uh, just because it feels like a nostalgic 1983 thing, I think I would play it. Okay. Um, maybe not for the best of reasons, but, but yeah. 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 So this is Wiz War. Wiz War. I think it's had eight different editions oh, wow. since the 80s. Oh, wow. It sounds familiar, but I haven't played it. it, it is, it's one of these games, like a lot of the games from that era, that very polarizing like cosmic encounter is the same yeah, type of thing yeah, yeah. It's these polarizing games that, and I think people love them not just for the nostalgia, but for the things that you're talking about, because they just take it completely over the top. Right. So this game is pretty much what I described. You are each a wizard. You have two treasures in your little quadrant of the board, right? <laughs> and you're going around this maze and you have a hand of spells and the spells are ridiculous. Like on a turn, you might like, turn the maze 90 degrees, throw up a wall of thorns and blast some guy into a wall, right? And you're just like playing these cards and, and it's, or, and then turn the other guy into a, into, you know, a ball of goo or something. Right. And it's just these like silly cards mm-hmm. and it's just very like back and forth. And it takes, you know, it can take as quick as 20 minutes or it might take 45 minutes, but there's like 12 rules. There's hardly any rules. Yeah. yeah hardly, I mean. But yeah. all the rules come from just the, you just, read what's on the cards, right? right? And it's like, oh, okay, 
Um, I'm going to play the lightning bolt and I'm also going to play this thing that lets my lightning bolt turn around the corner <laughs> and I shoot you. Right. Or, and it's all that type of ridiculous stuff where it's like, Oh, you do that. Well, I go and put up the force field thing and it shoots back and reflects back in your face. Yeah, and I yeah, laugh yeah, at you. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a game we, we've played a f- couple times like late at night at BGG con because it's, it's kind of the perfect slap happy game. <laughs> it's not so dumb. I mean, it's not so simple that it's like whatever, but you can just, really have a have a great time with it you cannot take it seriously i mean mm-hmm. if you're playing whiz war like super Com- competitively <laughs> like you're gonna get all pissed off because someone you know did whatever i mean i think you're really really doing it wrong <laughs> this is one of those games my wife likes that i could not explain why she liked like this is not <laughs> the sort of game she likes but i think it's so over the top and so silly um it's it's a lot of fun i mean i i i totally think we should we should play sometime. It's a little bit, a little bit off putting the first time, just because you you start off and you have like a hand of six cards, and you're like, you're like what do these do? What do these do? And right? you get blasted, and you're like, yeah, Aw. you're just like, okay, well that sucked. So you can kind of have a crappy experience, you know, the first time if you're not right wanting to get into it. But, but time three, you're probably laser beaming people, and 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 it's the sort of thing where you just have a good laugh, and if you can like you know laugh back and pull that off, it's 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 pretty good. A lot of people really hate Wizboard. I think it is. Um, for what it's trying to do and what it's trying to do for 25 years, I think it's, you know, one of the best. It's it's basically playing Wizard Quake, right? Yeah. It's like that's that's pretty much what you're doing. Silly Wizard Quake. Silly, silly Wizard Quake. Yep. All right. So last one. It is the 25th century. You are a member of an intergalactic expedition shipwrecked on a mysterious planet named Artemia. While waiting for the rescue ship, you begin to explore the planet, but an alien entity picks up your scent and begins to hunt you. You are not alone. Will you survive the dangers of Artemia? If you play as one of the hunted, you will explore Artemia using place cards, and you will try to avoid, confuse, or distract the creature until help arrives. If you play as the creature, you will stalk and pursue the shipwrecked survivors. By playing your hunt cards and using the mysterious powers of Artemia, you try to wear down the hunted and assimilate them to the planet forever. So the theme is great. Um, When we played that uh, really abstract kind of alien stalking game, do you remember that? Uh, everything was like there was a ship, and there were two aliens on the ship, and they were coming. Oh, after killing oh escape from the aliens in outer space. Yes, yes, it's the perfect name. Yeah. that I couldn't come yes, up yes, with. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I loved that game. I thought that game was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just because it reminds me of that, it sounds fun. Uh, Apparently, we need to play Escape from Aliens in Outer Space. I mean, I don't know if I, w- I want to keep playing it all the time, but... but well, I, you I, played it once. It was stalkery, and I thought it was it was kind of like, oh, that monsters are coming to get you. Certainly like, unique. Yeah, it was, and, and it was fun, and it was relatively simple, right? Like, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's simple in rules, but keeping track of where everyone is is not simple. Yeah. It's tricky to, yeah. tricky to play that well. I think, I think there's a certain kind of person to be really good at that game. Yes. Um, Someone who's good and, at notation. Yeah. Stuff. And, and like kind of mentally keeping track of things. Um, so, so that game was great. I like the theme. The theme sounds fun. Of this creature and all the. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, you can either like, I will absorb all the humans into my. Yeah. 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 Um, so like, I really love playing the evil aliens. Like mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, have you played destroy all humans? No. It's this really terrible, uh, video game where like you're this evil alien invader and you're, <laughs> it's really silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, invader Zim, the movie just came out and invader Zim is one of my favorite things ever. Uh, so thematically it sounds great. Yeah. This is, this is a one verse many game, uh, like fury of Dracula, but it takes, uh, eighth of the time yeah right so i mean this 15 take, minutes uh 20 hour. minutes 20 yeah minutes. 25 minutes yeah, yeah something something like that what does bgg say oh bgg is 30 to 45 so like uh, half hour okay. it's about a half hour yeah. so maybe not an eighth of the time but a sixth of the time um and one person is playing as the creature the mm-hmm. other people are playing as the hunted and it's a basic deduction game um the way it works is is every turn there's available places of where the players can go and one of the places will unlock some additional places to give them more options of where they can go so they're playing a card of where they're at and the players can't talk amongst themselves about where they're all going to go they all just decide like oh i'm going to go to the beach or i'm going to go to the wreck or whatever i'm going to go to the lair and they put that card down and then once they've all put their card down decided where they're going to go the creature tries to deduce where they've went and so and, right. and puts their marker down and the way that the person playing the creature does that 
is that they look at the cards that that person has already played, so they know they can't be there. Mm. Of course, the players are trying to unlock some more locations, but they're also trying to do things to pick up more cards to make it harder for the creature to guess where they're at. Um, And everyone has a certain number of lives, and the game, every turn, basically, the clock moves down where the creatures are getting closer until they get rescued, and the creature is trying to, you know... um, assimilate the, the the hunted people every time i've played this game it's it's had phenomenal tension in terms of it never feels like a like uh someone's blowing away the other side it always feels very tight um and it's it's a lot of fun it's some people think that you could just play the hunted and just pick a random card like don't even try to think it out right just be like ah, oh, plan this just plan that well but by not by not using any logic you're being more random if you just right just choose a card randomly um it's still pretty fun i mean it's not a game i would want to play you know five times in an evening but i i think it's totally underrated it's one of those games that scales really well which i love like you can play with three people or seven people and it's like just above that party level hmm. type thing you know yeah. what i mean it's not like a party game but you can teach it pretty quickly and as long as someone's not totally turned off by the theme um i think it works i think it works pretty well and i got I got an expansion for it not that long ago, so we need to try this one. I think we need to give this one a go. Well, I love the theme. Yeah. Um, so that's what I got for Pitch a Game. So, you want to take a break? Sure. And we're back. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> So we on our last episode, we were talking about playing Betrayal Legacy, and then we got our last game in, and we had talked so much about the highs and the lows, and we are coming off of a previous high, and then our last weekend yeah. was not a high. It's pretty much a low. Yeah. Yeah. It, so I, maybe this is super repetitive, but so Betrayal Legacy, legacy obviously a legacy game, changes each time. Betrayal at House in the Hills, is yeah, the base game. Yeah, and, and we've established that neither one of us would be particularly excited about playing the base game. Correct. Um, but the the legacy aspect and that kind of progression makes it really fun. And we had a narrative thing happen uh, that we thought was really dramatic, and yeah. we were super excited about the next round. Oh my God. Yeah. And then it just fizzled. It really, it really did. It just fizzled hard. It really did. And then, like, um, I think... A lot of the game is is how much you get into playing, like the monster, mm-hmm. right? But I think this particular round made it like just no one could successfully play the monster and enjoy and have a good time. And like yeah. like the yeah. the dynamics of like I understand narrative wise that was not a good haunt, and we're not going to spoiler it. No, no. In in theory, it was a good haunt. It's a really clever idea. Yeah, but it the gameplay was terrible. Right, like. And, uh, right. And that's a good point. It was a clever, it was a clever yeah. idea written, yeah. but the rules execution for it were not interesting. And so that was, yeah. So the, the, the narrative, I was like, Oh, I see what they're doing. That's clever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, but, but, but poor Stacy was just like, Oh, like this yeah, is the and worst. I think she, she came into it. I remember like being like, she Oh, excited. she's all excited about yeah. it. And then after about three times around the table of not really making like, any progress either way, it was, yeah. it just felt like a slog. Yeah, well, and, so and, and that's so tragic because everyone was excited. She was excited right. to be the villain, yep. right? Oh, well, we got a and, few left. Yeah, but no, and I just, you know. I, it's so fascinating how great and terrible that game is. Like how it is fantastic and then it just like manages, yep. it, it manages to blow such like great motivation. It's pretty well, it's impressive in both directions. So October's coming up, so we're going to yeah, take a break and we'll do our Dracula game. Blah, blah, blah. Right? You should play Dracula. I should, but you the should. problem with this is I don't learn rules well. Oh. Mm. <laughs> so if we're going to do that, I should have. I just I think find you'll a be way. a great Dracula. I I I think I would be a great Dracula too. Um, so if we do that, we need to find a way for me to absorb the the rules well to be a good Dracula because I think. I think you got to be a good Dracula. Yeah. Otherwise the game will fall flat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. Well, maybe we can do that. Yeah. yeah, We'll figure it out. Uh, I'll give you a Dracula training session. Yeah. Dracula training. (laughs) We'll get some fangs. I'm sure there's a video that I can, we can find where it'll teach you not like specifically how to play Dracula, but just to cover the rules that they're not, it's not, it's not that hard. No, I mean, so for, I mean, all you need to know, I mean, you need the combat stuff we can cover. I mean, you want to know your things, but you, the main thing is, is you want to not unintentionally cheat. 
You want to like well, yeah, so, so, that, so that it makes logical sense. So right? what was what was the alien game again? The aliens in outer escape. Escape from the aliens in outer space. So the thing about that game is, I think it would be really easy to unintentionally cheat, right? Because you totally. have these kind of secret movements. Yep, and it would really destroy the gameplay. Yeah. Right. Because like, if someone else had like deduced you're here and then you're not, it's like, well, what's it's like playing clue and giving the wrong answer in clue. That's right. That's what yeah, it's yeah, like. Yeah. And so I, I think both have this aspect of you, that you're a, it's secret movement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to do it right. I, and this is where I think an iPad or something would really be fantastic, right? Like, because it would, inf- it would force you. Oh, to like stick saying to the these rules. are the options. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so, um, I don't think it's that hard. No. Okay. I really don't. We'll I think, give it a I try. think you'll be fine. I'll be, I'll be Dracula. Dr- yeah. I think that'll be pretty good. Um, so that'll probably, hopefully we'll have that played by the next time uh, we record. Assuming you're not recording next week. Yeah. Assuming I actually am recording now. <laughs> we hope so. Next week is Beacon. Uh, oh, yeah. Which will be fun. So head up there, play some, play some games with some people. That'll be good. Um, what? else uh didn't play a whole lot else this week board game wise kind of a kind of a quiet week but um yeah we'll see how it goes up i'm sure i'll make up for it next week i'm without I'm, a doubt i'm ready for summer to be over yeah. and for it to be cold and dreary and for me to actually play some board games oh wow <laughs> like, how like, exciting well it's it's just been so dynamic and everything else and uh next weekend we're opening my house and having this crazy art thing where i can't be in my own house right so after that, I'm hoping. Well, I you can, can always come up and games. play some games with us. Okay, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be exciting. All right, cool. All right, everybody. Take it easy. Blah, blah, blah. Our theme music is Chocolate and Cocaine by Lorenzo's Music. Check out Lorenzo's Music at lorenzosmusic.com. Context Free is a, is a contrarian content production. Uh, find out more along with our various detailed, wonderful show notes that contain lots of links about pretty much everything we discuss at contextfree.fm. Thanks. <laughs>